Welcome to Law for Community Workers on the Go, a series of podcasts designed specifically for community workers, health workers and anyone else who works to support people in their community. My name is Jessica Sullivan and I work for the Community Legal Education Branch at Legal Aid New South Wales and today I'm speaking to Thomas McKeith who is a solicitor in the CLE branch about a new project that he and his team have been working on that aims to educate people about a new law that's been introduced into the Crimes Act. Now that's a little broad, so what is the law? Absolutely, well thanks Jessica. I'll refer to the law as anti-incitement to violence legislation which also is not heaps clearer, but it's section 93Z of the Crimes Act. And basically uh, what the law says is that if by doing a public act, you intentionally or recklessly threaten or incite violence against someone because of their race, religious affiliation, uh, sexuality, gender identity, intersex status or HIV AIDS status, you're guilty of the offence. So that's why it's a, it's a wordy one and it doesn't really have a, um, a clear couple of words we can use to describe it. A catch line. A catch line, a catchy, yeah. yeah. Totally. But yeah, in broad terms, if someone says something or does something in public um, that threatens violence or incites violence, which means like encourages or urges other people to commit an act of violence against someone or a group of people, you know, and, and they're doing it against a group of people because of their race or because of their um, sexuality, for example, then that they can be charged under this bit of legislation. So what's an example of this? Not necessarily having to use the terminology that could be used. Um, we're not wanting to trigger people. I came prepared, Jess, yes. and I've got a little example um, that we, we've prepared for the campaign because it is a bit of a complex um, idea to get across so um, might play yep, that now again. I was on Facebook and I saw that the page for my local mosque, someone had posted a comment for everyone to see. Whoever posted it called us terrible names. Said they were going to get Muslims like us. They put a bunch of skull and crossbone emojis at the end of the post. When I saw what they'd written, I was concerned about my safety and the safety of everyone who worships at the mosque. So Tom, can you tell us about the example that we've just heard from there? How does that fall under this 93Z? Totally. So with this example, I'll just go through each part of it. So it's a Facebook post. So and it was on a social media page. So therefore, it's a public act. So that would satisfy 93Z. Uh, it was a threat because in the post, um, the person said that they would get Muslims and they used skull and crossbones. So that makes it a threat. And it was made against a group of people because of their religious affiliation in this instance because um, they were Muslims. So this would be the, the kind of thing that we'd um, be likely to see covered by Section 93Z. So did we have a law like this previously that protected people? Yeah, so the, the history of this is, is kind of interesting because I think if you asked anyone in society, should there be a law to protect against this kind of thing, most pe people would say yes. So... Um, on one level, it's strange that we're talking about, you know, these new laws that are in place. And there were laws previously. They were referred to as the serious vilification laws in the Anti-Discrimination Act. But uh, in the 30 years that they were in place, no one was convicted under those laws. And, you know, you can think about the, the um, history of Australia over the last 30 years, and you, you could think there may well have been incidents that most of us would think should have been prosecuted under laws like this. So, so far, no one has been um, convicted under these new laws, 
but they are significantly stronger than the old ones. So we just have to wait and see over the next little while to see whether uh, there are some cases prosecuted okay. under these new laws. So you say they're stronger. How are they yeah. stronger? Okay, so yeah, they've, they've been strengthened in a number of ways. So the first thing is the maximum penalty. So now there's a three-year maximum penalty, so jail time. Secondly, the, the time limits that were in place to report an incident like this have been removed. So we think that'll make a big difference. Thirdly, the matters are now investigated by the police rather than the Anti-Discrimination Board. And it's now intentionally or recklessly threaten or incite violence, whereas previously it was just um, intentionally. I can imagine that a lot of these minority groups may be fearful of going to the police historically. Are are the police being trained to deal with those responses? It's a it's a really good question and something that's been a big part of our campaign because our job at Legal Aid is to educate the community and particularly the communities who might be affected by these kind of incidents about the new laws to encourage them to go and report the matters to police um, so that something's done about them. But that whole system falls apart if the police aren't educated about the law and if they're not um, taking these complaints seriously and we don't want to hurt the the trust that we have with the community by encouraging people to go and report incidents and then have nothing done. So we've been working quite closely with the police. We've got a working group, one member of which is the head of the um, bias crimes unit from the police. And he's indicated to us that there is significant training going on with the police. You can imagine this would be a big task though. You know, they have to train everyone across New South Wales. You could imagine these incidents happening out in small, you know, rural communities um, and you need all police officers to to be across these new laws. When did this law come into place? So it came into force um, in August 2018. Okay. So it hasn't been in place for that long, but as I mentioned, there haven't been any convictions under it yet. It's almost two years. And I think one thing to keep in mind is that many incidents might have a substantive offence and then also a threat or an incitement to violence in addition. So there was a um, really horrible incident in Parramatta a little while ago where a woman, um, an Islamic woman, was attacked, physically attacked, and a, a number of uh, racist things said to her, and it was, it was a um, racially motivated attack. You could say, well, all those things that the person said, shouldn't they come under 93Z? Shouldn't that have been one of the times when this legislation was used? And we, we took that to the police and asked them what happened with that. And what we were told was that in an incident like that, they generally charge the person who's committed the offence with an assault um, because that actually has a higher maximum penalty, seven years in prison. And then they'll use the racist threats that were said or the racist comments that were said as aggravating factors. So when it goes to sentence, the person will get a higher sentence because of the things that were said. And they'll approach it that way rather than charging the person under Section 93Z. So that's one reason why we probably haven't seen as many of these incidents. We anticipate that this legislation will cover incidents where there's really just a public act rather than a a public act and an act of violence. Right, so more something, you know, there's someone that I follow on social media who is a politician and I notice that she often has people commenting on on her posts uh, saying, you know, go back to where you came for, like, you know, racist comments of this nature. So if they were inciting violence, that is more the kind of thing that 
this 93Z is going for. That's right. If someone, if that person you're talking about had said, we should make these people go back to where they came from, 93Z. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, I, maybe I could give you some context for, for why the legislation was introduced and, and why there was a push for it to be introduced because I yeah. think that also highlights the kind of things that might be covered. Yeah, so what caused this change in the law? Yeah, so uh, in... 2016 and 2017, there, there were a number of incidents that caused a kind of groundswell of support for this new legislation. But one of the major incidents was um, this uh, extreme right-wing group called the Antipodean Resistance put up a bunch of posters around universities um, and, and different places with really offensive racist comments on them. So saying things like death to particular groups and there was a, um, a lot of questions asked about why these people couldn't be convicted. So as a consequence of that, there was a collaboration between community groups that formed the Keep New South Wales Safe Coalition, and they campaigned for the new uh, laws to be brought into place. Okay, so practically speaking, how does it work? So if somebody would like to report something, what is the process? Totally. So if someone witnesses one of these incidents, the thing they should do is report it to the police. If um, an incident's happening you know, at the time, uh, they can call triple zero like you would for, for any crime, report it to the police. If they're reporting something that's happened in the past, they're probably best to call the police assistance line, which is 131444, or go to their nearest police station. Right. The other thing they could do if they, they weren't sure whether something fell under Section 93Z would be to get some legal advice. Uh, so they could contact legal aid. Another thing is that they can contact a kind of a, a community group that, that um, might be relevant to their particular community. So this podcast is for community and health workers, so people working in those community groups. If they wanted to tell their local community groups or community members about this campaign, what's the best way... For them, is there a publications that uh, people can order? Are there the website you say? Yeah. Um, what's the best way for them to tell people about this? Yeah, so I think the best thing is uh, to, to go to the website. And we have a bunch of fact sheets there in a range of different languages. And that has all the information on in terms of next steps. It also has information on other things like discrimination um, and vilification because if an incident doesn't fall under section 93z it may fall under one of these other categories and the website does the website have videos and posters as well it does so people yeah people can also download posters and and there are videos there that they can share with their community Um, i should make another important point i think about this that really relates to community workers and the role that they can have in this whole thing One aspect of the legislation is that you don't have to be the victim in order to report an incident. So our campaign is focused on the groups that are most likely to be victims of these kind of incidents because that's how we can, we think, most efficiently use the resources we have. But this really is relevant to everyone in New South Wales because anyone can go into a police station and and report an incident even if the incident does not relate to them in any way. So community workers really have a, a potentially really important role to play, especially um, in those communities where there isn't a great deal of trust in the police because the community worker can actually do the reporting themselves if that's yeah what they choose to do. So this is for New South Wales, but there are quite a lot of community workers who listen to this podcast who are working in border kind of communities. 
is there any kind of nationwide legislation that may cover those border areas if they're outside of New South Wales? This, this legislation is New South Wales legislation. I think if you're in another state, I'm not sure which states have equivalent legislation to this, but certainly if you're feeling unsafe, um, if threats have been um, made against you or just generally you're feeling concerned for your safety, I think it's really important to contact the police and get some support that way. Great. If something happens, you know, you witness something in the street or you are the person who has been offended by someone and you call the police, what happens to the offender? Yeah. What are the steps the police are taking? Yeah, so the police will investigate. So they'll, they'll get statements from people involved, witnesses, that kind of thing. So police investigate, they prepare a brief of evidence and then they send that, if they believe that there's something to you know, worth investigating, they then send that brief of evidence to the DPP, the Department of Public Prosecutions, and then the DPP has to make a decision about whether to prosecute the matter or not. So what should community workers take away from this? What are your top tips? Yeah, so our campaign is about informing the community about this new legislation. So what we want community workers to be aware of is that this legislation exists and to just have it in the back of their mind. So if they witness anything that could be related to this or if someone from their community comes to them and tells them about something like this, that, that you know that light bulb goes off in their head and they think, right, this could be an incident that we can report to the police. It might actually be a criminal matter. And we'd love it if they could visit the website that we've created um, and have a look at the information there and then remember that that website is there so they can go back to it to refresh their memory or refer their community members to that website. So put the posters up in your office waiting room or your organisation, put them up, give them to your local community groups, I guess, encourage them to watch the videos on the website so that people understand what this law is. Because as we said, it doesn't have a catchy title. It is Section 93Z of the Crimes Act. So we need to spread the word without it having a catchy name for everybody to refer to, really. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Yeah, if, if community workers can assist us in getting that information out to their communities, that would be you know a huge benefit to everybody, I think. Okay, great. And yeah, remembering that anyone can report these incidents, you don't need to be the victim. So the community workers That's can be correct. doing that on behalf of victims or encouraging their clients to report. That's right. Yeah, I think we can... one. Great thing about this legislation is that we can all play a part in um, identifying these issues, reporting them, and, and you know helping to create a cohesive and kind of safe society for everybody in New South Wales. Great. Thank you so much, Tom, for chatting to me today. No worries. Thanks, Jess. So the links mentioned to uh, the website and all the posters and the videos uh, that we've talked about today will be in the episode notes below, as well as the links to the police hotline, etc. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review it wherever you get and listen to your podcasts. It does help other people find the show. Make sure you share this episode with your organisation, maybe even play a little bit at your next team meeting or something. So until next time, thanks so much from all of us here at the Community Legal Education Branch at Legal Aid New South Wales. Mm